Choices, choices, choices. We make thousands of them every day. You've already made a lot of them. You made a choice to get up this morning. Good choice. Laying in bed usually all day doesn't work out so well. You made a choice um, to come and worship God. That's a great choice. Glad to have you here. And I hope you make an even better choice, and that is to open up your heart and to listen. Hear what it is that God has to say to you through the songs, through the prayers, through His Word. That'd be a tremendous choice as well. And and I can see looking out that many of you have made astounding wardrobe choices. You are all looking sharp this morning. Some of you are kind of like, I'm not so sure. Trust me, you look good. You look good. You know, we make, again, thousands of choices, but let's be honest, sometimes we don't always make the best ones, right? Sometimes we make choices that are not good, that don't have um, great consequences, that make an impact in our hearts and our lives that we're not real thankful for, but then there are other choices that we make that do that make good impacts, that have great consequences, sometimes far bigger and greater than we even realize in the midst of making them. And I want you to think about that as we continue to go through God's Word. And this morning, we're going to start a new series entitled simply, Choices. And look at truth this morning that speaks about choices in an overarching kind of foundational way to follow and to be. What that means in an overall sense in our hearts and in our lives. And as we do, um, I want to ask you to kind of like shake off the sleepy dust. So kind of wake up and engage. I know you've already made choices, so you're kind of cognitively there. but, But here's what I'd like you to do to think about these two questions as we begin. The first is this. What choices do you think you need to make in your life right now to follow Jesus Christ? And you can maybe tack on there more wholly and completely. What choices do you need to make in your life to follow Jesus Christ more fully and more completely? And then this question, and I think this is the greater question. What choices do you think you need to make that God desires you to make? What choices do you need to make that you think God desires you to make? We're going to look at some truth um, about choices, about following and being. And we're going to to go to a a number of different places in Scripture. So I'm going to encourage you, and we're going to have words on the screen, but I'm going to encourage you to uh, follow along. You know, you can do that uh, electronically, or you can follow along in in a Bible um, just to, to jump around. Because I don't know about for you, but for me, when I have those words in front of me, they kind of soak in more. 
So I, I hope you get into that practice, but I want to take you first um, to a, a tremendous truth that's in Joel. Joel is an Old Testament prophet, um, one of the minor prophets, they say. It's there in the Old Testament. And read words from you about choices and decisions out of Joel 3, reading verses 14 to 16. I hear the living, powerful word of God, Joel 3, verses 14 to 16. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon will be darkened and the stars will no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem and the earth and the sky will tremble. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. This is the word of God might be written in our hearts and lived in our lives. So Joel was a prophet that God raised up because the nation of Israel was making poor choices. They had been making choices that had led them further and further away from God. So he rises up a prophet, somebody to speak and say, hey, you need to start thinking about who it is that you're being and the choices that you're making. And you can read about that in the whole book of Joel, just three chapters, a real short one. But he speaks some tremendous truth. And part of it is what we read about in verse uh, 14 to 16 of chapter 3. And he spoke, of course, to the nation of Israel, but he speaks to you and to me. So just look at those words. Verse 14, multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. Is that true today? You better believe it. I mean, we're all making choices, right? And we're all making choices again that will either draw us closer to God or cause us to be further apart. It's not only true about us, but others as well. All around us, there are people that are in the valley of decision. And we're there with them. And God wants us to think about that. He wants us to think about the choices that we're making. The decisions that, that, that we face day in and day out. That literally are live streaming through our hearts. And not only decisions that we are making, but the people around us. And I really want you to think about that. There's a great um, song by Brandon Heath. It's about all the people that, that he, he does it to a video where he walks into an airport and it's just all of these people around him. And then he, he really asks the question, do I ever really see him? Do I ever care? How about us? I mean, we have people that are in a valley of decision. We don't even know what that means. The things that they're thinking about, things that are going through their heart and their head, the decisions that they face, big decisions sometimes, huge decisions. And we're right there with them. They're in our lives. We encounter them. We bump into them. We know them. We see them. Do we care? Do we care about the decisions that they're making and that they need to make? Do we care when it seems as though 
They're making a lot of poor choices. Again, as we just went through a series of issues, do we love enough to speak up? Do we love enough to give grace? Do we love enough to come alongside? Do we love enough? You know, if you go just past that, that verse, I love this part of the verse, the last part of it. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Then it says this, for the day of the Lord is near. I want you to think about that. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Is this not true? Have you ever made a decision and then realized the importance of it later? Have you ever made a decision or a choice about something that you didn't think was maybe all that weighty and then it proved to be? Well, one of the things that amazes me sometimes when I'm talking to people, and especially people that are saying, you know what, they're, they're, they're wanting a deeper relationship with God, which is awesome and great. But invariably, a lot of times this comes up and says, you know, all of a sudden I found myself kind of like over here in my life. And God used to be front and center, but things have kind of drifted a little bit. And then all of a sudden I woke up and I realized it. And when I hear that, I think about, about passages like this. Like, when did that happen? What were the choices you made? And did you even realize that in the moment that the choices that you made were going to take you in a different direction away from God? I, I, I think maybe not. The day of the Lord is near. And so we never know when there's going to be a decision that is made that is going to forever and ever keep us apart from God. And when I say that, I'm really talking about a faith decision. Open up your heart to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. More on that in a little bit. Or take us to a place that we never wanted to go, never thought we'd be. Choices. Choices with eternal consequences. You know, God doesn't share that to scare anybody. Just to speak truth. I hope you had the fear of the Lord in you. That was going to be a place nobody will ever want to go. But he shares that truth to bring it out in a vivid picture. There we are all together in the valley of decision with people all around us at school, at work, where we hang out and have fun. Friends, the valley of decision. Sometimes those decisions, again, are forever decisions. Things to think about. God calls us and hopes that in those decisions, what is true in the last part of that verse, because again, and speak on this more, there's, there's always consequences for our decisions. But that we make the right ones. We don't experience uh, the, the wrath of God's holiness. That's a truth that people really don't want to talk about, but it's there in Scripture. And what that's going to mean to the experience, because that's God's hope and His desires. That's why I asked that question. 
asking the questions of, are you making the choices that God desires you to make? Because He wants to be your God. He wants to come close. He wants to fill your days and take you to good and great places. And that's why I love how that passage ends. But the Lord will be a refuge for His people, a stronghold for the people of Israel, for the people that choose to follow and to be. He will be their God. And it's really important to think about when you're there making a decision too. Because we have a lot of pressure on us to conform. We have a lot of pressure in our culture to choose choices that are not of God. We face them each and every day. And I would say to you in some ways, if you are not, if you haven't identified young people in your heart and in your life, in your family, and you're not praying for them, get busy. Because God will protect them. To be a refuge in a stronghold. And help them walk with Him. And in Him. And that's a truth that comes out just a couple pages over in Amos 5. More about choices. Amos 5, verses 14 and 15. Listen to these words. Again, a prophet sent to share truth with the nation of Israel. These words say this, Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you just as you say He is. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Again, that's what I love about God's word. So practical, so true. Seek good, not evil. We really need that spelled out for us too much. I don't think so. Seek good, not evil. And then this, that you may live. Think about that part. And how true that is. Now, I know you're all good and great people, but perhaps you've made, like me, a decision that wasn't all that great at some point in time in your life. And you experienced something that took the life out of you, something that was bad and that wasn't healthy, that you didn't enjoy, and it came as a consequence of your choice. Again, maybe in a way that you didn't anticipate. Maybe you thought that the decision or the choice was something, and we hear this all of the time. It was just an innocent thing, but it turned out not to be. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. That's why he wants you to make good choices. To live. And to live, as I like to say, you've heard it many times, you hear it many more times, the best life ever, the life that he has designed and planned for you. And that means being full in your life. Have you experienced his goodness and his grace each and every day? And you're walking with him and he's walking with you. And yes, there's still going to be hard times, but he'll be there to hold you up to give you strength in those moments, to give you comfort and peace when you really need it. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. 
and experience God's goodness and His grace. You know, one of the times that I thought about in terms of life, um, something that came back to me and that I kind of relived as a young man and then got into adulthood um, was a decision I made that I thought was eh, not all that bad. I was a kid and I went out in the field and there was this um, barn and the barn had been abandoned. And I decided it would be a lot of fun to chuck rocks and break windows in that barn. I knew it wasn't probably the smartest thing, and I knew it was wrong, but I did it. I chucked the rocks. Now, there's something really important in the days that follow. First of all, it cost me dearly to pay for all of those windows. It's a good lesson. But I learned something even greater. Maybe because I grew up in a single-parent home. My mom worked really hard. I did her best, um, despite not being a follower of Jesus, which I struggle with to this day. But I remember, um, because we had the police come to our house, and I remember her looking at me and the hurt and the pain that was there. I made a decision that day. I never wanted to see that look again. You know, no matter what we say or we think, our decisions are not isolated to ourselves. The choices that we make have ripple effects. And there's accountability for them. Hate evil, love good, verse 15. What does it say? Maintain justice in the courts. Speaking about accountability. Justness, rightness. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, God, God wants us to do that. He's going to hold us accountable for the decisions that we make and the impact that it has in the hearts and lives of others. And so he invites us to make a good decision, to seek good, not evil, to walk and be with him so that we'll experience the very best relationship that we can possibly have. I know that that takes two. But if you're working out between him and you, you praise be to God. There's something else in this passage, just really um, briefly there at the end of verse 14, maybe you caught it. And we're going to go to another passage that speaks more into it. It says this, Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, and here it is, just as you say he is. Turn all the way back with me to um, the last part of the Bible, 1 John. Now we got Revelations a little bit after that, but 1 John chapter 2, and I want to read for you verses 3 to 6. Again, truth about walking, following, and being. Hear this word from God. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The person who says, I know him, but does not do what he says is a liar. And the truth is not in them. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. 
This is how we know we're in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. There's the truth. We have a choice to obey and walk with God or not. To be true. To be authentic. To be the real deal. And we have sayings about that, right? Walk the talk. And I want to submit to you that's incredibly important at all different kinds of levels. It was recognized even back in the Old Testament again um, that you would walk as and, and God would be in your heart and in your life as you say he is. That's what this passage is speaking about as well. It is so incredibly critical in our world today not to be hypocritical. To be true to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because in this world there is all kinds of confusion. Lines are being drawn and the sand just continues to shift and move and change. Definitions, practices, beliefs all over the map. That's so important for those that are following Jesus to do it. To be salt, to be light. To be who it is that we say that we are. And not just say it. I love the the practical, again, the real truth here. It's pretty harsh. But it's pretty true. It's a call that he gives to to all of us. In verse 5, if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in them. I want you to think about that. You know, there's a reality that if you're in God then indeed your life will show it. He will be in you. If you seek him, what does he say? You'll find him. If you want to know him, he'll reveal himself. He's not trying to play hide and seek with anybody. He wants to come into your life and blow it up to the good. But he doesn't make you as a follower of Jesus a spiritual robot. He just doesn't push buttons and you respond. There's no glory in him for that. No, he wants you to follow him. He wants you to obey him. To bring him honor and glory. To make choices. To be genuine. And to be authentic. And so I ask you, what does that look like in your heart and in your life? Go back to that first question. What are the choices that you need to make to better follow Jesus? What does that mean for you right now as you sit in this season of your life? Now, again, you're all pretty doggone good. But there's still things that we need to work on. There's still areas that we need to grow in our walk with Jesus Christ in. 
We're still in that valley of decision. So God speaks and He wants you to be. He wants you to be authentic, the real deal. He wants you to make godly choices. Let the world to see what that looks like. Yes, it'll be an incredible benefit and bring all kinds of rich blessings that you never intended in your own heart and in your own life. But again, that ripple effect. And you don't make those decisions again to have the kachunk spotlight come on you. You do them humbly. And you do them with gratitude to God. And there's no agenda other than bringing Him glory and honor. But time and time again, I have heard of people who have, sometimes from afar, watched a follower of Jesus be the real deal. And it has impacted them beyond measure. All around you in your heart and life, in the valley of decision, people are watching. They know what you say. I just want to see who you're going to be. You know, I know it's about knowing God. I don't want you to get confused on that. James 2.22 talks about faith and works working together. James 2.17 says this, Faith, unless works would accompany them, are dead. So it's speaking about actions. It's speaking about being. It's speaking about life. Those things don't save you. It's not saying that. It's saying it is a result of the presence of God. That's how it ought to be, and that's the acid test. So when I have people ask me too, you know, I'm not so sure about my salvation. I'm not sure if I really know Jesus. I, I, I say, I ask them one question. Well, what does your life say? Because we can wonder, we can speak about things, but the truth is, who are we really? What kind of life are we living? What is it that we do? Who we be? It's because where God is, where God is, there is no room for evilness and wickedness. And the more that we strive to fill our hearts and our days with Him, the less room there is for Satan to get a hold of things, wreak havoc, tear our lives apart. Good choices about following and being. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, and it's speaking about grace and salvation, the gift of Jesus Christ, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, also reasonable. I mean, God died on the cross, sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. What does that mean? What is that worth? Someday we'll know it is everything. I hope we live like it today. And then this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to prove what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, the heart and the change that took place when Jesus entered in. To walk, to be, to make good choices. I just want to end with two um, challenges for everybody here. The first one is this. To accept God's gift of grace in Jesus Christ. Now, you're saying, well, I already did that. Praise God. But maybe somebody hasn't. Maybe you're thinking, you're wondering, not me. I've made, speaking of choices, I've made a lot of really bad ones. I don't think God could ever love me or forgive me for the things that I've done in my life. Uh God wants you to realize the depth of his love. He wants you to know that it's a free gift, this thing called grace. And he's going to forgive you all the way for things that other people won't. And he always will. He just wants you to open up your heart and say, hey, you know what? Not doing so well. I know I got sin. I know I'm making bad choices. God, you've said you've loved me. I want to ask you into my heart. I want to experience that grace and forgiveness. And I want to make a choice from this day forward to have you pick up my feet, to be my God. And He will. You know, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, speaking of the heart, and opens up that door, I'll walk in and I'll be with them. And that's a forever with them. And please, please, please don't believe the lie of the world in terms of saying it's all about being good. Because we can never be good enough. It only takes one sin. For by grace have you been saved by faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. It takes faith. It takes faith. All kinds of truth about that. You know, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, meaning you. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die so that whoever would believe in him not perish, but have everlasting life. What an incredible thought. You can do that right now. You bow your head, have a prayer with God, ask Him to come into your heart. That'd be awesome and great. If you need a little help with that, I'd be happy to do it. That's the most important decision that anybody will ever make. I want you to think about that too. The things that we make and the choices that we make that we think are huge and big, what college we're going to go to, what job we're going to have, what house we're going to buy, who we're going to marry, that's part of the plans. None of them, none of them greater than knowing Jesus Christ and asking for the gift of Jesus. Think about it. I hope we can have a conversation later or you have one right now with God. That'd be awesome. And then this, the second challenge, to make a choice to follow and to be. Maybe you've made a decision for Jesus Christ, but I want to urge you to think about what it means to be. Because again, we live in a lost and hurting world with thousands of people all around us in the valley of decision. God is, I think, screaming out at the church right now, 
Please be. Rise up. Season. Shine. Desperate times. But God is good. And He's good because in the words of Matthew West, when we think about why is all of this going on, the answer is, and, and we ask ourselves, why won't God do anything about this? You know the words of the song? He did. He created you. And He gave you His grace. And He gifted you and He called you to be. That's what will make a difference in this world. The presence of Jesus Christ flowing out of one heart at a time to another. Let's do it. We pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, You are a good and a glorious God. We thank You for the gift of grace. Lord, we... Anything we could pray in this moment, anything that we could do, it's not about what we do, it's about what you've done. God, that humbles us, it overwhelms us. And yet, oh God, it gives us strength and courage and boldness and peace and hope, real hope. And I pray, oh Lord, that that fills our hearts as surely as you do. Lord, as we leave this place, we would leave to be to be salt, to be light, to obey you, to follow you, to make the very best of choices, the ones that you desire us to make, and then to see you go to work in a lost and a hurting world. It was to overflowing. But the presence of your holy, blessed, and grace-filled spirit, we ask these things because we, O oh God, simply want to honor you. Amen.